Hello, and welcome back to the Sustainable Brown Girl podcast. This show exists to connect Black, Brown, and Indigenous women who are interested in sustainability. Our goal is to inspire, encourage, and educate each other. From gardening, to thrifting, to minimalism, to veganism, and everywhere in between. We are all on a journey to taking care of our bodies and our planet. I'm your host, Ariel Green. You may have heard the term fast fashion, which refers to the design, manufacturing, and marketing of rapidly produced high volumes of clothing, usually made with low quality materials and sold for a cheap price. This method of fashion encourages quick turnover of clothing, which produces more textile waste, pollution, and unsafe work environment for garment workers. It's estimated that Americans generate 16 million tons of textile waste per year, about 85% of which is sent to landfills or incinerated. Of course, a portion of the textile waste is donated to thrift stores and charity shops. However, those places will often send unwanted clothing overseas usually to East African or Southeast Asian countries. When these countries receive such large amounts of secondhand garments, it reduces the demand for locally made clothing, which is harmful for their economies. So what can we do to prevent clothing waste? Well, to start, we can reduce the amount of clothing that we're purchasing. Opt to buy clothing that has a classic design or can be worn for many years. Take better care of your clothing, wash them less, and repair any damages that happen from normal wear and tear. Shop secondhand when you do need a new item of clothing. Or shop with companies that use recycled materials or are environmentally aware when creating new garments. When a piece of clothing has reached the end of its life or you no longer need it, if it's in good condition, donate it to someone who will give it new life or recycle it responsibly, or reuse it in some way around your home. And that is what we call circular fashion. In today's episode, we're talking to two sustainable brown girls who have created businesses in circular fashion by repurposing and reselling unwanted clothing and accessories. Stay tuned. Our first sustainable brown girl is Camille Lee, the owner of Wearamount Tees, an online shop selling upcycled t-shirts for the environmentally conscious consumer. The brand is all about pre-loved fashion, landfill diversion, and circular fashion. Today, we'll be talking about how to be more conscious with your wardrobe. Thanks so much for joining us today, Camille. Hi, so good to be here. Thank you for having me on, Ariel. Yes, of course, of course. You know, I have been following you for a while and I absolutely love what you're doing with your shop and helping to, you know, recycle and reuse these uh, clothes that could be going to the landfill. But before we get too deep into where I'm out tees, I'm always curious in learning how people became interested in sustainability. So what's your story? Well, if you would have asked me years ago, I would not have known what sustainability is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a word that's super popular now. I don't know if it's 
on top of mind for us because we're in the sustainable fashion movement or the sustainability movement. But um, I've always kind of um, been interested in having new clothes and wearing new clothes and going shopping. And that was one of the things that my mom and I made as an activity for many, many years. We would go to the mall and we would shop. And one of my friends from, I think, high school came over one day and said, wow, you have so many clothes. And I just thought, the average person doesn't have this many clothes. I don't think I have that many clothes. But, you know, apparently I did. So I I was always interested in having new things and trying new styles. And I would see something that would be cute on someone else. And I would want to try that. And it's been a long journey. So I still wanted to keep a bit of that now that I have come around to the other part of the circle I wanted to keep some of that where I want to look, you know, fresh and new and have some new things and some different patterns and colors. But for me back then, it was the price situation. Like, wow, this is this is expensive. But if I go to the thrift shop, I can get it for so much less. And it's new to me and no one's ever seen it on me before. So yeah, this seems like a good option. So that's how I kind of got into that. Yes, I think um, so many people do kind of like have that, have that, maybe I don't know how big your wardrobe is, but there is a thrill sometimes in getting new things. And definitely shopping secondhand can, you know, satisfy that thrill, because like you said, it's new to you. (laughs) That's right. So what made you? Yeah. Um, So after wanting to shop secondhand, have you kind of transitioned more of your lifestyle into being more sustainable as well? Oh, for sure. Um, In school, they taught us, you know, the three R's, reduce, reuse, recycle. And so I was always a little bit conscious of that. Like, oh, no, I feel horrible throwing this in the trash or we should recycle that. But the fact of the matter is our, our nation, our system isn't really optimized for doing that well. So yes, I have a reusable water container. I've carried this, this container around literally for probably three years now. And I use it every single day. Wherever I go, I have it with me. And, um, you know, it's, I think you just switch and you make one decision over another. And when people want to make changes in their life, I tell them, like, it's just a decision. Instead of choosing this, choose this. One little thing at a time Mm -hmm, uh, makes a big mm -hmm. difference. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) So um, when you, after you kind of switched into going more secondhand, what led you to start your business? Well, I worked a little bit at an association um, having to do with logistics. And I also worked retail, as a lot of people do when you're in high school. You worked at the mall shopped at the mall, did everything in the mall. Mm -hmm. And um, I would 
go to the thrift shops and I would see things with the original tags on them. And I would think, okay, wow. So this seamstress sewed this and it went on such a long journey. It went to the stores, it didn't sell. They tried to sell it for weeks or months at a time. They've moved it along. And now there's only, you know, one size left or one, you know, two sizes of something left. Well, a store isn't going to keep two items on a rack or on a shelf. They're going to move that on because they just figure, well, we tried to sell it and it's not going to sell. So let's get rid of that, make room for the new stuff that's coming in. And I would kind of see this process working in retail. And I would see this process, uh, I would see some of these things end up at the thrift shops with new original tags. And then understanding that if it doesn't sell at the thrift shops, which the majority of it doesn't, then where does it go? So then it it starts on the journey to the landfill. So I would think at the beginning, while wow, someone designed this, I used to love to watch um, Project Runway, for example, someone designed this, they came up with the concept. Um, a lot of people sold this and then all the resources used to make this. And to see it go to the thrift shop, no one ever bought it. And then to know that eventually it's going to the landfill, I was like, how can I disrupt this program? How can I get in there and, um, you know, just become a stopgap or just interrupt it and, and put the things that are perfectly good condition back into the economy? and give them a little bit more longevity in, in the economy. Exactly. Yes. Yes. I love that. I love how you're, you know, doing what you can and something that's interesting to you and really making a difference. I'm really curious with how you source your items. Um, Do you go to thrift stores and just, you know, find what's there or do you have some other type of process? So I'm also a big supporter of shopping locally. So everything that we have is locally sourced. So I'll go to the area, thrift shops, secondhand shops, um, and charity shops, things like that. And I will look and it's a process because most of the times you'll hear of someone starting a t-shirt company and they're like, oh, I got a t-shirt and it has a like, you know, a cool picture on the front or a saying on the front that's really cute. And all they did was they went to a big brand and they bought <laughs> they bought a case of t-shirts and they put their design on them and they sent, you know, they opened up their their web shop. But our business is built on circularity in fashion. So it takes time. It takes a lot of time, but it's something I love. I love every aspect of our business. So it takes time. I'm the one who goes and sources. I'm the one who looks at the shirts. I'm the one who visits different shops. And sometimes I'll only come out with one or two things that are good enough to to bring into the fold. Um, And so over time, it takes a lot of time. And then then when we have a certain number of shirts, then I'm able to send it off to the printer to get the next design printed on the front. It takes yeah. time, wow. but it's so fun. That is a process. And in essence, it is still shopping, right? I'm shopping. 
That's true. Yeah, right. (laughs) That's good that you get to, that you're able to enjoy it, you know, even if it is a little bit time consuming, it definitely pays off. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you decide on your designs? I see you have a couple of different ones on your website right now, but how do you, you know, come up with the designs? So, um, you know, I kind of think about what I would like to wear and I'm thinking about what our, our consumers, our customers, folks out there who are in our demographic, what they might like to wear, what kind of shirts are already out there. And um, it's going to take a pivot soon, um, but every time I'm learning more. So basically, I think, what is something that I like? What is something I might like to wear? What is something my friends would like to wear? What is, (laughs) you know, and just thinking about what is something that's universal? So how can you dress this up? Can you dress this up? Can you dress this down? Um, If it's, if it says a certain phrase on the front, can you wear this anywhere? Could you wear it to a wedding? Could you wear it to prom? Like dress it up, up. And then we all know we can wear any shirt lying around on the couch, right? So it doesn't matter. But I wanted to create something that was sort of universal, but also there's a little bit of a story behind it. With one design that we recently uh, released, it's the butterfly. And on the front, it says transformed. I think everyone on this planet Mm -hmm. can relate to this in some way. Some way we have transformed ourselves, whether it have been over the past year going through the pandemic, whether we have come through some health battles, whether we have gone through some career battles, some family issues, some, you know, spiritual battles, we have been transformed in some way. So that's the story behind that one specifically. Everyone can relate to that. Absolutely. Wow. I love that so much. That really is so (laughs) relatable. And yeah, everyone has gone through something and they've come out on the other side, a better person, Mm -hmm. more beautiful, you know, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. And I think, you know, some people think the caterpillar, okay, so it goes in the cocoon and you know, after some time, it comes out as a butterfly, but that time spent in the cocoon is a fight. Like, it's uncomfortable. It's, it's you know, not a place that you want to be. It, it is a fight. So to be able to go through that process and come out a butterfly is like, it. There's there's a big meaning, you know, behind that. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes too, people may go into the cocoon and don't come out on the other side. So, you know, it's nice to see, you know, when you've completed the whole process, it seems like it's totally worth it. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about circular fashion. If someone had never heard that term before, Would you be able to, how would you describe it to them? So circular fashion is the opposite of what I explained before, which is what I explained was, you know, a designer designed something, there's someone who sells it, there's a store that sells it. 
Um, it goes maybe to the thrift shop after it doesn't sell, and then it goes off to African countries, other countries, and then to landfill. That's linear. This is a straight line. And we have far too much of that happening far too fast. Mm-hmm. Our earth can't handle that, not at that pace. Mm-hmm. Um, and circular is kind of catching it at one spot, catching clothes, catching whatever at one spot. And since we're talking about fashion, catching clothes at one spot and getting them back into the economy. So going through the thrift shop, picking up clothes and wearing them and giving them more longevity. So the more we can get people to uh, shop pre-loved fashion, to shop thrift shops, to shop circular fashion, the better we are. Because yes, we're still looking good and yes, we're still buying new things, but we're not using the resources that are um, necessary to create brand new items, which like I said, our earth can't, we can't, we can't handle um, the pace that those things are going. And I think a lot of times for black folks, brown folks, we think, you know, oh, save the earth, those, you know, tree huggers or whatever you want to say. I think there's such a disconnect because we're dealing with our own things as black culture. We're dealing with things that are immediately in our face. Mm-hmm. So not necessarily are we thinking beyond the things that are immediately in our face, but this is where the people we love reside. So we need to take care of it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, we live in a throwaway culture. You know, it's been like that for yeah. few decades. Yeah. And so, like you said, the earth can't handle all of this trash, <laughs> you know, no. and a, a lot no. of um, clothing, you know, when people are done with it, sometimes they just throw it in the trash, you know, like you said, landfill diversion, trying to prevent those things from yes. going to landfill. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. That's how I would explain circular fashion. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, no, that's a a great um, definition of it. So now when anyone sees that term, they will know and think of you and be like, hey, let me maybe not buy something new. I will go see if I can find the second (laughs) hand. Yes, absolutely. Second hand first. Hashtag second hand first. (laughs) I love that. That's a good one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Camille, what does it mean to you to be a sustainable brown girl? Well, to me, it means representation. I think we need a lot more of that. I think we're out here. I know the origin of your podcast. I know you were looking and searching for people who are brown skinned girls, women to interview and because you knew you couldn't be the only one, right? You're not the only one. There has to be others, right? So the more and more we can see ourselves representing, the more we can attract others who look like us and bring them along. And if they're interested in learning more, they have a reference. 
And that's super important. Yes. So representation, I think, is very important. So we just need to funnel that up to the decision makers, the big tables and the the big government um, conversations as well. Yes, love it. And you are certainly <laughs> representing with wear them out tees and, Thank you know, you. trying to convert people to, you know, being more conscious with their fashion. Yeah. So I love that. Appreciate oh, your work. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and let everyone know where they can find you online. And also if you have anything new coming out, um, you know, also feel free to promote that. Oh, well, you can find us online at wearemouttees.com. And the whole premise behind the name of the company is wear them out. So you have these clothes, wear them, really, really wear them until they're falling apart. And then you can downcycle them into something else. Dishcloths, dust rags, car wax polishing cloths, because they're beautiful for that. You know, um, really wear your clothes. So it's wear them out, W-E-A-R-E-M. O-U-T-T-E-E-S dot com. Um, we're also on Instagram and Facebook, so you can find us there. And um, yeah, please follow along. <laughs> Jump on this journey we're yes. going on. We're, we're looking for you. Yes. We're yes. looking for you. <laughs> so if you're watching this and you're brown girl, brown skin girl, come on along. Jump on this because we want to have these conversations. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much, Camille, for joining us sure. and for sharing more about your business and for doing all the work that you're doing to divert clothes from the landfill and just, you know, have people fashionable out here making statements oh. with their clothing. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm super excited about the future. So um, if, if I could just grab 1% of the, the folks out there shopping, <clears throat> buying the fast fashion brands and sending checks, continue to send checks to businesses and companies that number one are not ethical Number two, are not um, environmentally conscious. And number three, are not, you know, for the betterment of our people. Mm -hmm. um, if I could just get 1%, you know, if we could get 1%, that would be exactly. monumental. It really yeah. would. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. That's a great way of looking at it. <laughs> Well, yeah. thanks again, Camille, for joining <laughs> us. And everyone, please go check her out on her website and follow her on Instagram. You'll definitely get some valuable information. For sure. Thank thanks, you. Thanks, Camille. Our next guest is India Henry, owner of Designer Accessory Adoption, an online boutique for pre-owned designer items. Through her shop and providing style advice, India's mission is to make high-quality luxury and contemporary accessories attainable for more people. Thanks so much for joining us today, India. Thank you for having me, and hello, everybody. <laughs> so I always like to start the podcast off with learning about how you became interested in sustainability. So can you let us know what got you interested in it? 
Yeah, um, I was thinking back actually to try to figure out, can I pinpoint one spot? And I feel like it wasn't, I don't think I like made an active decision that I said, you know what, I'm going to do my best to try to figure out where I fit in this sustainability journey and let me pick something. It was more um, out of things that I was interested in. And I, with those interests, I learned that they were sustainable, if that makes any sense. So first Mm -hmm. off, I got interested in recycling. So my parents recycled. And actually, the funny thing was um, my husband and I stayed at my parents' house um, for a full year while we were waiting for our home to be built. So while we were staying with them, my mother recycled. And so I got into it because she was recycling. And I learned things from her because things like, uh, for example, I didn't realize that like a plastic fork, once you eat off of it, that's considered trash. It's not, you can't recycle that because it has food products on it. Mm-hmm. So things like that I learned from her because she said, wait, no, don't throw that in there. Wash that jar out first. Um, so I wanted to adopt those same things. And so when my husband and I finally moved into our new home, I told him, hey, I need a recycling can, you know, whatever you want with the trash can, that's fine, but we need to recycle too. So I, because of that interest, I started recycling. Um, also with that, I had always been into secondhand handbags. I'm a handbag lover and I love finding designer items for less than retail price. So not even thinking about it for years, I've been on that sustainable journey with purchasing from secondhand stores, thrift shops and things like that. Um, And then another example, my father gardens. And so just kind of getting into gardening with him you know, I realized that's another standpoint where it's helping out the environment is good for your health and all of those things from gardening, because it is a lovely mental break. So Um, so that's my indirect way of getting into sustainability, just not purposefully, but I learned that it had been over time. Yeah. So in your new home, do you have a space for your garden? Yes, it's in the backyard. So, yep, I got the little flower beds in the back. Um, It's not really big, but we got two long ones. And then I got little planters for other things like squash um, because I don't want to take up. We don't have a lot of yard, so I don't want to take up the whole yard with gardening, but um, we have a little space for it. Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) Um, So tell me more about how you got started with um, getting your secondhand uh, handbags. Yep. So how I got started with, um, like I mentioned before, it was always an interest of mine. I remember in high school, my best friend and I would go to consignment stores all the time. Um, you, um, so that was my first introduction to it, just from the uh, outside of just the fact that I just really love uh, handbags, really. I know some people like shoes, some people like jewelry, for whatever reason, handbags are my thing. So that was my first introduction into it. And then how I kind of started um, my business with it is I actually wanted to find a side hustle for my full-time job that would help me generate income so I could contribute it to retirement. And so going down the list of things, I thought, okay, what are the things that I'm interested in doing? Because, you know, working a full-time job, doing a side hustle, it's not easy to work full 40, 50 hours a week and then want to push to do something else outside of your job that pays your bills. So I knew that was something that I needed to be interested in. And so with that, I had always wanted to have a boutique and just talking through a consignment store owner that had one before that I actually would frequent mostly. Um, she had advised maybe you start online first and it is lower cost to start online. 
And from that, I from the list of the list that I made of things that I was interested in, um, I fell into going the consignment thrifting route, resale route, because it's the inventory is uh, less expensive, really more so with consignment because you don't have to pay, pay the upfront cost. The person allows you to sell their item on your on their behalf. I'm sorry. And then you just split the difference for your services. And then I learned that I had to pivot because I wasn't getting enough consigners actually early on. So I had to go buy inventory. And so that got me started with pushing more with the thrifting route, going um, to consignment stores and to thrift stores and auctions and things like that to get my inventory. But it's still a lower cost than buying something and then having to mark it up from retail. And also, like I mentioned, I mean, I'm really into the secondhand piece of it. So I didn't want to buy things new. So that's kind of how I got started several ways. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's really interesting. So when you first, um, I guess when your handbag addiction first started, were you buying them new or has it always been secondhand? It's been a mixture actually. So uh, yeah, it depends on what it was and kind of where I was in my journey and what I could afford. I could be buying those things new. So for example, like my, my, I would say my designer addiction started with like a coach handbag first <laughs> and I would buy those new. Um, but um, now as I've gotten older and I have a little bit more money to work with and things like that, there's been handbags that I absolutely love from 10 years ago or even 20 years ago. Like I just saw, saw it and thought it was amazing, great quality, but it's no longer being produced. So how mm -hmm. else am I going to get it? I have to go the secondhand route to get those items. Also, just the prices of designer handbags has gone up so much. And not a lot of people can afford to pay $3,000 for a brand new handbag, but maybe you can afford to pay six, seven, eight, nine hundred dollars Well, mm -hmm. that handbag is still a good use. Maybe the owner is not using it anymore. It, it still has that great quality. It's still, the condition is great. Why not pass it on to someone else, take that money from it and fund something else that you want to do? And so that's also the other kind of my interest in it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so when you are sourcing your items, what are, what are the types of things that you're looking for? So when I'm sourcing items, I first look for kind of a style or something that catches my eye. Um, when I do that, um, and actually when I'm searching online, I'm having to look for a brand because you, I would be searching for days <laughs> if I look through like the online sites and try to like figure out like what else is out there. But usually if I'm searching online, I'm searching for brands. Um, if I'm in physical stores, I am looking for uh, first something that catches my eye. So between the two of those, I just start searching and then I start paying attention to the condition of it. Um, if I'm in a physical store, I'll pick it up, inspect it, kind of look at it a little bit there to try to authenticate it for as much as I can while I'm physically in the store just to make sure things are checking out. I'm also looking at condition. I'm not at the point where I'm able to like rehab a handbag. So it needs to be in decent condition for me to be able to sell it. And so if it's really stained on the inside or it's just got holes in it, I'll, I'll leave that where it is. And I, um, but those will be the first things is I'm, what catches my eye. Um, also the designer, if I'm online and then also I'm paying attention to condition as well as authenticity. 
Okay. Those are good tips. Cause I know, um, I mean, I'm not really into designer, but I know that when people are, there are, you know, obviously certain things that you need to be looking for. So for someone maybe who wants to maybe get into vintage or, you know, maybe start expanding their designer collection, what would you say are some places for them to look? Because I know I never really see anything designer in the good in Goodwill. <laughs> So where are some places for people to look and um, just any general tips for them to be aware of? Yeah. And even if it's even if you're not into designer, like you said, vintage, I mean, bags and shoes and whatever it was that was made 20, 30, 40 years ago, you will see the condition. The quality is a lot better than yeah. today. Um, you know, it's just overall. So even regardless of designer, vintage, I, I love vintage handbags too. How do you know um, if so something's way, vintage? Um, but what I'm looking for just... So vintage, really you're looking at first the style of it. Um, and then there's really something, a visual quality about it. It seems like when you start looking at it, looking at the detail, you can kind of pick up on the fact that hmm, this may be vintage. Um, you still have to do some research, but I will say for the most part, like, um, beaded handbags, those vintage evening bags, those, um, you may see from a far away and you look at it initially, you say, okay, that looks kind of vintage. But when you get closer up on it, you pick it up and it's lightweight. That's, that's not really a, <laughs> that's not a vintage bag because they're hand beating mm -hmm. that it's been, it was made in India or somewhere else a long time ago. And so that weight is not there. Also the level of detail in sometimes like the hardware. And so when you're seeing like the weight is off or kind of the fabric feels funny, it kind of feels cheap. You can kind of tell that's probably not a vintage handbag. And even, it, and not to say that everything that was made 30 years ago is going to be super heavy and things like that, but usually that's the way that you can identify your good quality ones. Um, but that would be the visual indicator there. Um, but paying, a paying attention to the level of detail, like I mentioned, is kind of how you can pick up on the vintage items or something at least that was made a decent amount of time ago. Um, and I'm sorry, I forgot your other question. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> I cut you off. Um, what <laughs> tips would you give someone who is looking to expand their vintage or designer collection? Like what places should they shop? And I mean, I guess you kind of answered what types of things to look for. But, you know, if you have any other tips. Yep. No problem. Sorry about that. Yeah. So places to shop. Um, so that's either your physical thrift store. That could be a big goodwill. Um, that could be, and even though like, for example, there's a YouTuber that I watch her, what's the name of her channel? I can't remember it right now, but she does a lot of vintage shopping and she'll find vintage like Liz Claiborne. So even if you don't find like that vintage Junie and Burke, there are some good vintage items out there, even with like, um, even with, with your Goodwill, your Savers or your um, Salvation Army. So that's one thing I would say to do. The other one is go to your mom and pop vintage stores or thrift stores because they have a lot of um, decent kind of like gyms in there that you may otherwise pass up. Also, another spot I go to is estate sales. I absolutely love estate sales um, for two reasons. You just, a lot of the estate sales that I'm going to, these people have these massive homes and you're just like, oh my gosh, it's so many rooms, so many places to go. And it's so cool to just see 
how a person decided to kind of style their home, how they lived and get a little bit of an idea from that. So I go for kind of to see because of interest, I want to see like what their home looks like, what the layout is. In addition to that, I can find great things that they no longer want. Um, so that's another place that I've been sourcing is estate sales and then also online auctions. So one of like the biggest ones is eBay. I know a lot of people throw that one out there. Um, there are also some other online auction places too, but definitely um, those those kind of the ways that you can find online vintage or physical stores to find vintage or designer items. How do you typically find out about estate sales? Is there like a website? Are you on Craigslist? Oh, for the estate sales. So actually I go yeah. to estatesales.com. I'm sorry, estatesales.net. Um, so that's where you go and you can just type in your, um, I was about to say type in your GPS. I'm not sure why. Um, type in your zip code and it will tell you all of the state sales that's going on within your area and it'll tell you the days. You can also see pictures. Um, so that's very helpful for me because I'm looking through to see if I see something interesting or kind of trying to pick up on the furniture to figure out, hmm, maybe I can find some good items there. Um, so that's what I've been doing to find um, uh, estate sales in the area. And I'll also take that and couple it with uh, when I'm in that area, usually I'm in like a more affluent or a more kind of like a substantial residential area where like a lot of maybe people who are in their 50s, 60s, 70s live. And they also have some great items too. So I will then look for thrift stores in the area um, while I'm um, in those locations. And I can also find some great, you know, gyms and mom and pop stores and vintage shops to go take a peek at too. Yes. So those are great tips. Awesome. So now tell us more about your company and the types of things that you sell. Yeah. So, um, a little bit more about my company. I've been in business for a little over three years. It's probably sad that I don't remember the exact day I opened the doors <laughs> or like went live online, but I know it was in February, <laughs> like February, somewhere like February 14th through the 19th. It's so sad. I know people like probably know that by heart, but I don't know why I just didn't commit it to memory. But um, so a little over three years. And um so like you mentioned in the bio, um, in your introduction, I found a gap when I was doing research, when I was first trying to figure out what's that side hustle that I can do to make some extra money. And I noticed that a lot of online um, consignment stores were that were really big and popular had items, abundance of items, but they were more like that $1,000 range and up. So I noticed that there was a gap because maybe someone doesn't want to or cannot spend a thousand or three thousand dollars on some handbag that cost ten thousand dollars before when it was brand new or something like that. And so there's a and there's good quality in items that cost less than a thousand dollars, too. So I figured that's kind of the area where I want to focus on. Um, definitely, it speaks to me. It speaks to my friends, my family. Um, and I know there's a lot of other people in that same boat where they want nice items. They definitely want to go the secondhand route. Um, maybe they don't want to buy brand new. Or also I educate people on that too, because people feel like just because they can't buy something brand new, they can't get it. And that's not the case. Um, and even like I mentioned with me, um, especially with my business, um, maybe there was a that perfect item. Maybe you couldn't get it for whatever reason 10 years ago. And, it, and now you can. 
And the only way you can get it is secondhand. So a lot of my price range items are below that marker, but it's a wide range of designers that I sell. Um, so that can be Mark Jacobs, Coach, Tory Burch, like the most common ones you see. Um, and also through vintage, I'm learning about other vintage designers like Lillian Vernon and um, so many other ones. Um, and even if it's not like a branded, like top brand uh, vintage accessory, if it's great quality, it's in good condition, I will definitely take that and do some research on it and make sure I price it in a great way. But it's I'm all over the board. I have Gucci. I have Louis Vuitton. Um, I've had some Chanel pieces, too. I don't have any currently, but have had some. I've had an Hermes. That one was an amazing find at an estate sale <laughs> um, to date. I think that's probably my best one that I've gotten. Um, but, yep, wide range of uh, Tiffany, you know, so just wide range of uh, everything. So when I can find something, I can get it at a good price, and I'm able to, you know, obviously I'm a business, so I want to mark it up and then also be able to get um, get a money back pretty much from my investment, but also want to price it fairly. So people don't feel like they're just being gouged with, you know, astronomical prices too. Um, you know, that's kind of what I focus on and like to do and more so focus on quality items that you can wear for the long range of time, because that's the whole thing about this sustainable journey, right? Like mm -hmm. when, you, when you buy something secondhand, there's a lot of life in it and you don't want it to break down when you just got it. You, you want to be able to still use it. And there's a lot of life out there. Um, with a lot of items that people no longer use. Yeah, that's um, a good point to make because one of the or one of the benefits of buying um, well-made clothing is that they do last a long time. You know, you can use it over and over. You know, for years, which is why you know people are selling their vintage items for you know a high amount because they're still good quality. You know, so mm -hmm. and absolutely. You, you don't just sell handbags, right? You do shoes and sunglasses, right? Yes, all accessories. So everything that's not considered a clothing item. So like you mentioned, shoes, wallets, belts, scarves, hats, um, sunglasses, like you also mentioned, and jewelry um, is kind of the spectrum that I've been living under. <laughs> awesome. Oh, that's so exciting. Um, so tell everyone where they can find you. All right. Yep. So you can find me. My website is D as in David, two A's, A-A, consignment spelled out dot com. I am also known under um, DAA consignment on social media, so, social media. Sorry, I <laughs> can't give my words out right now. Social media, media, can't still do it. <laughs> Handles like Instagram. You can find me there as well as on Facebook and YouTube. Awesome. Please go follow her. She has some really amazing pieces on her website and on Instagram. And last question, India, in your opinion, what does it mean to be a sustainable brown girl? In my opinion, I feel like what it means to me to be a sustainable brown girl is First of all, you know, being a brown girl first, <laughs> um, no matter what that is. I know a lot of people will, you know, only signify that as like being black, but also like Indian people, people uh, from India, um, like identify themselves as brown girls. So anybody of color, let's start there, because you could be a Native American and be a brown girl, too. Um, and there's a whole host of other um, races and, you know, um, that are considered brown girls. So first off, that's the first basic part. But other than that, just being true to yourself 
also having the knowledge that you um, have within your sustainable journey and doing what is sustainable to you for whatever that means for your life. And pretty much what I mean by that is everybody's not going to start at the same point. You definitely, when you're coming into the sustainable journey, you should educate yourself and learn kind of what you're doing. So like I mentioned before, I'm pretty, um, I would say I'm a probably about two, three years into recycling and I'm still learning. I'm watching documentaries and then I'm, I'm like learning about the different numbers that are under the categories they classify plastic, things like that. So just learning if, it, if it's recycling you want to focus on, learning more about recycling, what it means to recycle and all of those aspects of it. And so educating yourself on where you're starting that sustainable journey is definitely very key. Um, also, because you want to know why you're doing <laughs> why you're doing something, you want to just kind of not just dive in aimlessly and just start doing something just because everybody else is doing it. Um, but then also what also it needs to be a sustainable brow girl is, like I mentioned, is starting off what works for you. So, for example, I really love handbags. So that's what I focus on. And in that, I have this business where I'm reselling items that are not going to the landfill, but going to someone else. Um, whether that is you want to start with gardening. If that works for you, start off with gardening. You don't have to do the full spectrum. And if people like Google sustainability, there's so many things that fall under that category. And you may not be able to get to all of them. You may not want to be able to get to all of them. And there's no, you don't have to apologize for that. I'm okay with the three things that I'm doing. And if I expand that out, then I expand that out. And if I don't, I don't. And that's just true to what I'm doing because that way I can keep it going. When I try to do something that's not true to me, then I'll quickly stop doing it or fade away, which then leads to less people being in the sustainable journey. So jump in where you can, make sure it's true to yourself and educate yourself on what you're doing. I love that. That, that was awesome. Thank yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I totally agree. Start where you can do what you care about. And, you know, from there, maybe it'll open up to more things or maybe not. But as long as you're making an effort, I think that's so important. Awesome. Absolutely. Thank you so much, India, for joining us today. It was great talking to you. Be sure to follow her on Instagram and Facebook and definitely check out her website. Thank you so much for having me and allowing me to speak to your audience today. It's been so lovely to talk to you and meet you. And I have totally enjoyed this time. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this Sustainable Brown Girl podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share it if you loved it and leave a review. You can find us on Instagram at Sustainable Brown Girl and check out our Facebook community. We would love to have you there. Until next time, let's continue to make healthy choices for the health of our planet and the health of our bodies. Thanks for listening.